what you said, Wanda, pierced me a few minutes ago. You know what she said? I'm watching y'all. It got me, you know? Gene talked this the other day. This was exploded in me. What should others, how should others see Christianity in you? You're in the ordination class. You better listen up because I'm giving you one of the answers to the question. How should people see Christianity in you? By the passion you possess for God. I want to give the devil hell tonight because I'm, I'm angry at the devil. <clears throat> now, first off, I want to piggyback on a little testimony, on Lee's testimony about just running into random people. I'm running my morning run. Y'all know what happens to me. I'm running. I'm on about my third mile. Not talking to a soul. Me and God. I'm working on the message. He's talking to me and I'm talking to him. There's a man standing at his garage door. I do not know this man. I've never talked to this man before. He's on the phone at his garage door. It's open. And just about the time I get center of his driveway, he hangs up and goes, Hey! Pointed at me. And of course, I, I stopped dead still. He runs out to me and he says, Let me ask you something. Okay? I mean, it was forceful. He said, Why are you running on the sidewalk? I said, Because 3,000 pound cars weigh more than me? That's, that's what I said. That's exactly what I said. He said, I don't understand why I see people running on the sidewalk, then I see people running in the street. I said, well, avid runners don't like to run on concrete because asphalt is softer and it's not so hard on their joints and their knees and their ankles. He said, really, I didn't know that. And I looked him square in the eyes and I said, is that what you come out here to ask me? Because now my ears hear things that I didn't used to hear. And I said, is that what you came to ask me? He said, no. And I said, what is it, sir? He said, I'm 66 years old. I did three tours in Vietnam. He said, on the third tour, I had an IED explode. He said, it burst both my eardrums, and they dug 137 pieces of shrapnel out of me. I nearly lost my eye. He said, six months ago, I had a massive heart attack. Again, I'm 66 years old. And he said, I died on the table. He said, I saw heaven. I could see the thousands of people out there. And yet there was a line that I could not cross and I wanted to go. And they, he said, nobody said anything to me. A stranger. I don't know this man. Never talked to him before. He said, I wanted to step over and go. And he said, nobody said nothing. He said, but I could hear them in my mind saying, it's not your time. And he looks me square in the eyes and he says, why am I here? <laughs> and I thought, this is rich. And I said, sir, do you know Jesus? Are you a Christian? He said, yes. I said, are you born again? He said, that was the right question. Yes. He said, why am I here? And I said, 
That's something that you're going to have to get with God because the best day of your life will be now when you figure out why. I said, don't matter that you're 66 years old. I said, when you get, I said, what time do you get up in the morning? He said, 4 a.m. I said, when 4 a.m. hits, I said, you hit the room that nobody is in because he's staying with his um, son and his and her, his wife. And I said, you go before him. And I said, you lift up both your hands. Man on the street, don't know him. I said, you lift up both your hands and I, you tell him, God, I'm making myself available to you. What is it that I am here for the rest of my life to do? And he went, I'm going to do that, brother. Thank you so much for talking to me. And it ended as quickly as it started. He turned around and walked off and I kept running. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I'm thinking, I, I, I kept running I'm going, God, you're just showing off. You're just showing off, God. He said, if I be lifted up, this hits me. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Amen? Okay. It's going to be one of those nights. It's going to be a little bit of funny. There's going to be probably some tears. You know me. Is that okay? Praise God. So, about a month ago, about a month ago, the Lord started saying, and you started hearing it, it started circulating around here, go to the mountain. Go to the mountain. And what was so prolific is God always warns you and he's showing you stuff if you're listening. Sometimes we're too busy in the mud to listen. Well, he gave me this incredible dream. And in this dream, there's three scenarios. Remember, go to the mountain. Everybody that knows me personally knows I'm an avid snow skier. I love the snow ski. I went to Colorado for 14, 15 years in a row. Love it for a week at a time. Ski everything they had out there. Love it. But in these dreams, there's three scenarios. And the first scenario is I am trying to get ready to go on my ski trip. And I'm trying to get my friend who is with me. And I know the friend. He's one of my best friends from Jacksonville, Florida. That we we kind of grew up together. He's a great Christian guy. You know Byron? You know Byron Odom? And I'm, I'm with Byron and we're trying to get ready and we can't get to the airport because Byron left some of his things at home and we had to turn around and had to stop. And then as I'm turning in the side of the ditch, my car uh, on the side of the road, my car almost gets stuck in the ditch. So guess what? I missed the airplane. Now let me ask you something. Where do you ski? Thank you. On top of the mountain. In Colorado, it is the most gorgeous thing ever because you ski at 13,000 feet above sea level. That's the highest peak. And when you get up there, you have to have everything covered because you can get frostbite. Everything must be covered when you go to that particular lift. So the second scenario, this is all one dream. The second scenario, he said, I was with my family. This is the... 
I didn't get the whole meaning of everything until this one. This is the one. The family. I'm trying to get ready to go, and I'm going skiing with the family. And we're going to Colorado, and the, and the, and the plane's about to leave, and we're rushing around, rushing around, rushing around, and this time it's my sister leaves her pocket. I rush back to the house. Guess what? Mr. Plane. Where do you ski? Top of the mountain. Third scenario. This was about a month ago. The third scenario is, this, you're going to laugh at this. I'm a milkman. I got the white uniform, the white hat. What are you laughing at, Anthony? Anthony's really he's liking that. So it's a panel truck, you know? You look back and there's a panel truck and you can see the milk on the sides. Refrigerated panel truck, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, right? And I'm driving, I'm thinking, I'm going to miss the plane. I've got to get rid of this milk. It is funny. It's hilarious. What does, what does the evangelist do? He points the way, right? I've got to get this milk. The word, I've got to get it out. So I go by a competitor's factory and I stop in and I go, hey, I got this milk back here and I got a plane to catch. Will you buy this milk from me? No. I remember him looking at me like, are you nuts? I'm not buying your milk. And I say to him, can I give you the milk? Come on, you get it? Can I give you the milk? He said, yes. And I said, would you please get your guys out here to unload it? I've got to catch this plane. And they were lollygagging. And lollygagging. I'm like, I'm, I'm up there trying to help them unload it. Get it off. Get it off. Anyway, I woke up not knowing whether I caught the plane or not. First scenario is there are circumstances and things that will keep you from the mountain experience. And the first thing is people, friends. The second thing is, and this is what became so prolific for me, was the family. And the third thing is, even your ministry. Because I'd fallen into this little trap of working for God instead of with God. It's real easy to do. Get it? Deception can be so... You can be so impervious of it. Everybody else can see it, but you can't see it. Amen? Now, about a month ago, what, maybe, maybe, maybe three weeks ago, it may have been a month ago, I'm hearing all this and all this is going on. And Lee comes up and she starts, she taught that Saturday night. I think, I think y'all you, you, were gone. And you started teaching on the songs of the ascent. Oh man, my spirit's going. It just hit me. It hit me and hit me and hit me. And in worship, in worship, I heard who, who will ascend the hill of the Lord? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. We'll get into that a little later on. I heard it. So the next, Gene comes back. We're, we're up here in worship. 
And evidently, it just wasn't hitting him just right. And he comes over to me and goes, Hey, let's go to the mountain. Come on, Carrie. I had a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff. Get it? I'm thinking, God, you were really on this mountain thing. You are really on the mountain thing. But it's so simple. And this message is so simple. So simple. The problem is, and that, that same nightly, you had a diagram of the temple. Remember that little, you drew, you drew it out. And you, and you said, we can be, we can be submitted, but not obedient. Come on, think about what I'm saying. You want to know, you want to, a silly little analogy of, of, of what, what that is? you're doing 90 miles an hour down the freeway and the police officer pulls you over, you look up and you got blue lights, you go, mm, better pull over. You pull over and you immediately, you act, and you angry. You mad. Pulling me over. Why don't he, I'm just keeping up with traffic. Why don't he pull those people over, right? But you submit. What is, first off, I, I got ahead of myself. What is, what is submitting? To give over or yield to the power or authority of another. Obedience is the act or practice of obeying. So he pulls you over. You submit by pulling over because the state of Georgia has given him that authority, right? And then he says, may I have your license and registration? And you go, what I do? I don't think I'll comply to that. You submitted, but you weren't obedient. We get it? We can come in this sanctuary and we can worship until the walls start peeling paint. And you can worship and worship and worship. But if you are not being obedient, something's going to go lacking. Amen? Most of the time, when we're not being obedient, we can classify it because it's an idol. It's an idol. We can come to the place of self-deception, verbally expressing His Lordship without obedience to the will of God. Let me read that again. We can come to the place of self-deception. Verbally expressing His Lordship without obedience to the will of God. Todd, if you will go to Matthew 7, 21. 7, 21 through 23. Oh, hang with me. I'm not going to preach long. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in but but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Let me put one right in the middle there. Worshiped in your name? 
and done many wonders in your name. And then we declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. This is what I'm going to call getting into a horizontal relationship. I'm looking at everything around me instead of looking up to the one who found me. How do you know? You know, a famous philosopher said one time, I think it was Socrates, he said what? Know thyself. When I begin to know myself and I'm transparent with myself and you know I tried this this is tough especially when things are a little bit out of kilter I challenge you go look in your bathroom mirror self have a little conversation with yourself because the Jesus in you will look back. And I'm going to tell you something. What you see will be powerful if you're transparent with yourself. Come on, I know that's deep. Come on, come on. That's, that's, you got to get that. Amen? How do you know You've gone horizontal in your relationship. Can I tell you? Can I tell you? You become frustrated, aggravated, irritated, and all the rest of the tated it. You get it? I wrote a few more down. You become self centered. You pull away from God. What was Robin saying? I wasn't worshiping like I was supposed to. What she said? You bless me, girl. Hang on. It's coming. Irritated, agitated, self-control. You pull away from God and you become angry. That's how you know. Teresa Cole said it one time, a long time ago. I'll never forget this. It stuck with me all this time. It, I heard you from across the room. I don't like me when I don't worship because I show up. You know what she's saying? The old man is resurrected when I'm not in the secret place dwelling there. And I want to get into that word dwell because you know what dwell means? That means I pull up a permanent residency. That's my place. He who abides in the, what Carl? Come on, the secret place of the Most High is what? What Kendrick? Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Come on, learn to know yourself. Because when you start knowing yourself, you begin to figure out how the enemy works in you. Sometimes we war and fight because we don't take a good long look in the mirror. How do you speak with this with authority, Carrie? Done it. So let me just tell you a little bit about my horizontal relationship. You want to hear it? Transparency, confession is good for 
confess one another. That's it. Well, praise God. I want to be transparent. Just as transparent as I could possibly be. Why? Because Wanda's watching me. And I want her to see the passion of God flowing, speaking, walking, talking in me. Amen? The part in the dream about the family thing. I've had some family issues for quite a while. How many of you know that family issues sometimes can start to wear on you? Oh, can I get an amen, please? Thank you. Thank you. Don't make me stop and have a praise break. All the black folks in here are going to get up and go. <laughs> Where is Chris tonight? I needed him. So this thing has been festering for months. It really has been festering for months. And you know how the irritation will come and you Aggravation to come. Nope, nope, nope. My mind's renewed. Go on for me. Go on for me. Go on for me. Get away from me. Get! Right? Let me tell you something. Even ministers get weary sometimes. It's on and on and on. So, bringing it to a close here. Not to close, but to the point. Last Sunday night, I get a phone call. At my Sunday night, going to be interrupted. I don't like it to be interrupted. Right? Well, I wish I could tell you that I put on love. I wish I could tell you that I put on tenderness and self-control and tender mercies. I wish I could tell you those things, but you know I didn't. You know what I did? I ran to the front door. I opened the front door and I said, Devil! Because I'm about to start complaining. <laughs> no. I'm being facetious. But I did. But I may as well have. Because I began to complain. And then anger built in me. And I thought, you know what? It was so funny. I have, I have, a, God has a secret weapon in my house. You know what it is? That beautiful woman right there. <laughs> That beautiful woman, I'm telling you what, I mean, I, I'm just, I mean, I just, I let it go. I, I had it up to here, and that's all I could take. I was like Popeyes. I had all I can stand. I can't stand anymore, and we're out of spinach. And I mean, I just started complaining. And Paige was perfect. She was quiet. She took it for a little bit. I could always tell, though, when my wife has just about had her fill. It's a lips be cut. Let's start getting tight now. And I'm in, the, I'm in the other room, and she's in like that. Like that. Yep, that's it. That's the look. All wives have that look. Oh, I'll give you one worse than that. They got a tone, too. <laughs> I'm in the other room, and I hear it. Carrie! <laughs> oh, things that give you chills. She said, come here. I wasn't mad with her. I wasn't upset with her. She said, 
come here. She's in the utility room, and I walked to the door, and there's the threshold. She said, come in here. And I said, I can see you fine. I'm eyeball to eyeball with you. And she went, cool. This is, this is a true story. I ain't kidding you. What? This is the secret weapon because we made a deal with one another. When I'm weak, you must be strong. And when you are weak, I must be strong. And we have almost mastered it. And she looked at me. And, I, and I'm telling you what, the way she looked at me and the way she spoke to me, I better cross that threshold and come in that little utility room where she was. And when I did, she, all she did was she put her arms around me and we both, we both cracked up, fell apart laughing. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I'm telling you, you want transparency? You got it. She pulled me. Because, see, I had been dealing with this thing, and I got a wonderful teacher that kept telling me it's going to keep coming around. And you're right. It's going to keep coming around till you get it right. You get it right. You get it right till you let the King of Glory come in. This is so powerful. He said that heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. Who will build me a house where I can dwell? You ready, Todd? Go to Acts 7. 48 through 51. Man, this is going to get good. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hands not made all these things? You stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. If that doesn't make you want to do a 360 and run down the road screaming hallelujah, thank you Jesus, because that is it right there. You stiff-necked people. You see it right in front of you. You've heard what to do, but you choose the enemy. And that word uncircumcised heart pierces me. Because when we have a circumcised heart, we are determined to cut everything off that would not be and not show the glory of God in that passion. Amen? Are y'all with me? Praise God. You're going to want to write this down. You ready? This is good. It's not mine, but it's good. A victorious believer maintains a circumcised heart. Come on. Maintains. If you're least, she says maintains. 
a circumcised heart by saying no to anything that will keep him from being the person whose heart is right before God. A victorious believer maintains a circumcised heart by saying no. Put put that in, in parentheses, no to anything that will keep him from being the person whose heart is right before God. Are with me? Right up here. Got it? Let me say it again. One more time. A victorious believer maintains a circumcised heart by saying no to anything that will keep him from being the person whose heart is right before God. See, when I know myself, See, oh, let me tell you something. She drug me in that utility room, and when she hugged me, oh, did I know myself. Hit me like a ton of bricks, what I had done. Amen? I'm going to cover Psalms 15 really quick before I really get into the meat of this whole thing. You know, that Acts 7, 48 through 51. Now, in the in the in the, the Spirit Bible we have, not the Joyce Meyer Bible, above Psalm 15, it says the character of those who dwell with the Lord. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle, who may dwell in your holy hill? I think somebody, Lee or Gene, covered a little, uh, this a little bit. In, not on, in. He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. <clears throat> Remember that thing in the mirror? Try it. Speaks truth to his heart. He who... He who does not backbite with his tongue. Nor does evil to his neighbor. Nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. In whose eyes a vile person is despised. But he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. You know what that means? That means if I made a deal and the deal went bad and it's going to cost me money, my integrity stands. I love that. He who does not put out his money as ushery, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent, he who does these things shall never be moved. Amen? So, there's another level we have to go. Get away from the horizontal to go straight vertical. And this is beautiful. 
And this is what the Lord gave me that night. He gave me this and I began to pull it up and I began to study it and study the history of it and what it really meant. And it was amazing. It is, this is amazing to me. Go to Psalms 24. We're going to do the whole chapter. It's okay, guys. It's only 10 verses. Here you go, Robin. The earth is the Lord's and all the fullness and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas. That means he owns everything. He established it and he's in charge. Who may ascend into, not on, but into the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands, and a pure heart. He who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord. And righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob. We'll get into that in a minute. The generation of those who seek Him, who seek your face. And He says, you need to think about that. You need to think about that. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift up your everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Now, let's break this apart. Go back to the beginning, Todd. We're going to start right here where it says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? He or who may stand in his holy place. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. A pure heart and clean hands does not mean you're perfect. It means a heart that is turned towards God and hands that are not in willful sin. Or has not lifted up his soul to an idol. Oh, let's go spots one-on-one -on -one just for a second. Let's go in reverse, the reverse order. What is, what is the idol? What's in front of the idol? Fear. The fear most of the time is having to give something up that you think is so important. And what is in front of that fear? A lie. And what is in front of the lie? The stronghold that has been established in your mind. And this stronghold that's established in your mind, it subjugates God back into the holy place here. You with me? So when he says he who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. 
nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God of his salvation. This is Jacob. What did Jacob do? Jacob come to the place and he grabbed a hold of God and he said, I'm not letting go. I'm coming to you. I'm seeking your face. But I love it what it says here. The generation of those who seek him. That has to be us. That has to be the sons of God who are coming before him to seek his, to seek him, but not only to seek him, but to seek his face with all that we are, with everything that is within us. It takes time. You don't build, Rome wasn't built in a day and you won't build the temple in a day. But the more you submit and become obedient, the easier it becomes. The battle's right here. Gene taught last night. The battle's not yours. The battle is the Lord's. And it's not even your battle. It, your mind is the battleground. The battle's going on between God and the devil. He's using your mind as the battleground. And not until you say enough and you come back over here and go, let me reason together. Because if I'm willing and obedient, I will eat the good of the land right here in my choice, my will and choice. I mean, my intellect and reasoning. When I get to that point, then I can stop the battle. All God's wanting you to do is go, will you come over here with me? Because when you come over here with me, He doesn't have access anymore. Amen? Mercy. Where are we? Those who seek your face. Now, this is what gets good. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Do you know what this really means and where it comes from? Because Solomon had built the temple. And as the Levites carried the presence and the glory of God, they come into Jerusalem. And as they come into Jerusalem, they said, lift up your heads, which is translated, it means God is great. Lift up the gates and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. Do you know what the everlasting doors meant? That means it was going to be his permanent dwelling place. He wasn't going to be moved anymore. He was going to be put into the temple. They were waiting for him to worship. And as they're coming into procession, and it actually all, it also was used as the password. They would come, the Levites are carrying it. And as they're carrying it, they would say, Lift up your heads. God is great. And lift up the gates. And be lifted up your everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. And they would say, the guards of the temple would say, Who is this king of glory? And as they said, Who is this king of glory? They would say, It is the Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. And they would swing it all open. And he would come in. With me? The permanent dwelling place. You say, well, that's all good. I like the history lesson. But how does that translate to me right now? Because let me tell you, when Jesus was crucified, the veil was rent and God is no longer in a box. He's not in this box. So now we say, 
Oh, come on, Robin, help me out. We say, lift up your heads. God is great. I'm going to open the gates of my, what? My soul. And I'm going to open up the everlasting doors. That means I'm going to give Him, what? Permanent residency. So the King of Glory can come in. My Lord, I, I need to be in a black church. We'd have to have a praise break right there. Come on. So the King of Glory can come in. We fight and we war with our own self, and we don't have to. Don't laugh, Lee. You've done it too. I said that affectionately. Come on. This is just transparency. Ministers are people too, you know. Come on, isn't that good? And the King of glory, I've got to open up my gates. I've got to make it the everlasting, permanent home so I can dwell with Him and in Him. Amen. I thought about that earlier. Earlier today. I did. I thought about that. I thought about that. Hot up here. Praise God. I just want to honor him just for a minute. And I just honor him just for a minute. Lord, I thank you. I worship you, Lord. I give you glory and honor. I praise you, Father. You are the King of glory. Come in, Lord. Come in. Set up permanent dwelling. Permanent place, oh God. Thank you. Thank you, Father. The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord strong in battle. Mighty in battle. Praise Him. Praise Him. Come on, I need you to stand on your feet just for a second. Come on. Get with me. I'm not done, but I just need to stop just for a minute. I want to honor the Lord right now. I want to honor Him tonight. Lord, I praise You. I thank You. Let the King of glory come in. It just kept repeating and kept repeating. It's just on and on. I've heard it all week. And let the King of glory come in. Praise God. Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you for tarrying with me. Okay. Wonderful. Now you know the qualifications to dwell in on this hill. What happens when I get there? You ready, Todd? I'm winding up. Matthew 17, 1 through 8. Love this. 
Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, this may as well have been me. Lord, is it good for us to be here? Jesus probably had to roll his eyes and said, didn't I ask you to come? If you wish, let us make us three tabernacles, one for you, Moses, and Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him, or another translation, listen to him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. There were three reasons for this little fiasco to the mountain. Get ready to write. Three reasons. This is the awesome thing. See? Peter, James, and John were the inner circle of Jesus. And Jesus knew that that unity had, oh, listen up. (laughs) That unity had to remain so tight in order for the other nine to remain in the right order. Right? So Jesus took them to the mountain for number one reason, to solidify their faith. You say, what do you mean? Jesus transfigured in front of them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes turned bright white. Now they had seen Jesus heal. They'd seen him walk on water. They saw, have seen all these things. But until you see somebody turn into their glorified body, let me tell you, that's going to solidify your faith. What does solidify mean? It means, you know, solid. If my faith is wiggly, if it's liquefied, it's going to solid and strengthen it. It's going to become firm because I've seen something that I haven't seen before. Are you with me? So the number one reason to solidify their faith. What was the second reason? And while Peter was still running off at the mouth, Father God showed up. And he said, this is my son. Listen to him. The second reason, he took Peter, James, and John to that mountain to have an encounter with the holy, living Father God, Daddy. Poor Peter. 
I thought about this, and I thought, this man is just so much, I'm so much like Peter. You know what? False humility would say, I just hope I can be half the man Peter was. Let me tell you something. I want to be greater than what Peter did. And I don't mean that in a prideful way. I want to go beyond. First reason, they solid, his faith to solidify their faith. What happens when you get in a secret place? Come on, when you come out, don't you feel like your faith has been solidified? Oh. Second reason to have an encounter with Daddy. And the third reason, and the third reason, he took them to the mountain. What did Father God say? This is my son. Listen to him. Instruction. Number one, solidify their faith. Number two, to have an encounter with Father God and receive instruction. I heard Gene say it well the other day. He's in in his worship now. He just turns everything off and he sits in silence. Speak, Lord. There's an old black spiritual says, Speak, Lord. Remember it? It's old, old. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Give me your instruction for the day. Whether to turn left or right. Whether to go run so a man runs out the driveway to you so you can show him a passionate, loving God. You've got to be in a secret place. Not some of the time. Not part of the time. All of the time. Because when you're in that place, then my relationship now goes vertical. And how do you know that you've gone vertical? There's no more anger, no more agitation, irritation, frustration, all the other Asians. As Teresa said, when I'm worshiping, I'm dead. The old man has been crucified. God, how far am I into this? That's all? (laughs) Thank you, I needed that one. Praise God. I'm going to stop because that was the end. Thank you for allowing me to be transparent. Thank you for loving me. This place is amazing. My God, it's amazing. That's why I want to use it. We got to put on that love. You know what I'm talking about? We got to put on that love every day. Joshua. I've been a grumpy dad sometimes over football before this body. I'm sorry, son. You're a great kid. 
crate. I'm talking about a kid that doesn't ask for anything, doesn't want to go anywhere. He likes being by himself. Straight A student. Straight A student. Doesn't say anything. Forgive me sometimes, son. I've been grumpy sometimes. And you know why I'm doing it in front of everybody? To hold me accountable. Look in the mirror and say that. Praise God. I love you, Lily. Is there anybody tonight you'll say, I need the King of Glory to come in? I need the King of Glory to come in. Maybe you're dealing with an idol. You know it. You just kind of brush it back to the side over here. Remember what I said. Sometimes you got to know yourself and be transparent with yourself. You got to come to that place where you really can look in the mirror and say, that's enough. You've been set up here long enough. Get. Amen. Anybody like that? You need prayer tonight. You want me to pray for you? I'll pray for you. If there's anybody here tonight, move quickly. If not, we're going to go back into worship. I ain't begging. I love you. I'll let the Word do the work. I don't have to lay hands on you. If that Word don't grab you, if something there and there didn't get you, amen? All minds clear? They're all good? I love his brother. I love his smile. Amen. Taylor made all the way from New York. Praise God. Praise God. You know, I will say this. This is the first time I've ever ministered today. I really stayed in God's presence all day. All day long. I got up about 6.30 and I studied and it just four or five hours went by and I was just in the Word and studying and looking. Then I went for a run and I come back and went right back at it all day. And the day went... Phew. Gene, I'm going to bring to a close. Worry about.